Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Where were you on 9-11? As we mark 20 years since that tragic day, Q104.3 explores that question with 9-11 stories. A podcast presented by Barish and McGarry, lawyers for the 9-11 community. Each week, we present a 9-11 story from first responders, celebrities, and everyday people whose lives were forever altered that day. And now, here's your host, Shelley Sunstein. This is the 9-11 story of FDNY wife Arlene Bradley Lester, who was working as a child autism therapist two blocks from the World Trade Center, watching the burning towers and collapse from a window. Arlene's FDNY husband, Kirk, was one of the 9-11 first responders. For three days, Arlene didn't know if her husband was dead or alive. I am an ABA therapist. I work with children on the autistic spectrum. My population is between the ages of 18 months and five years old. So um, the end of August of that year, I was with a student who lived just a couple of blocks away. And it was mid-August and that student was extremely petrified of water. He would not go near water. He wouldn't touch it. He wouldn't come within a foot or two of water. So every day for the entire summer, I would take him to the unisphere that was between the two twin towers. And we would try to inch our way a little bit closer and a little bit closer to the water that was at the bottom of the unisphere. There was a big uh, wall around, like a round wall that people would sit on during the lunchtime and they would eat their lunch and be out in the sun and enjoy you know, their moment. And so every single day of that summer, I would bring him there and we would try and we would not be successful, but maybe we'd get an inch. And I'm talking, we were like a lot of feet away from it, you know, and he would be like, no, no, no. So by the time the third week of August came, um, he was, you know, pretty close to the Unisphere, maybe 15 away. And that was amazing. We're talking about a little, you know, two and a half year old boy. This is success for him and I. And I was so joyful. And leaving the next day for the rest of the summer. And I would not see him again until September 11th. That would be our first day back together after taking our break, our summer break. So great. So I, it's 9-11 the morning of, and I'm on the six train and I'm coming down into city hall, you know, the stop uh, Brooklyn bridge and the train is stuck and it's stuck and it's stuck and it's stuck. And I am freaking out because I'm now I'm late. I'm late for work. I'm excited to be with this kid because I know that this day is going to be the day, you know, we're going to touch the water. It's going to be great. And he's going to be successful. Now I'm stuck under the bridge, under the, under the tunnel in the subway. And 
looking at my watch. I'm like, okay, come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And finally, the train, you know, rumbles along so slowly and we get out and like, you know, the door opens and I explode out of the train, running up the stairs. But I noticed that there's like so many people in the subway coming towards me at that time in the morning. The flow is usually the other way, you know, and now we're late and usually everybody is running to get to work. So, you know, frustrated and in a hurry, I'm like, oh, let me just get out of the way of these people. And I get up the stairs and it was mayhem. People were everywhere. People were running in all different directions. The first plane had hit, had just hit, but I didn't know. And so I'm making my way through these crowds and I'm so confused. And I finally stopped this one woman um, and I say to her, what's going on? What is going on? I'm, I'm running against you guys and I don't know what's happening. And she didn't speak English very well, but she was able to say the plane, the plane hit. And with that, I look up and I see the plane is stuck in, in the tower. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. You know, that's all I could say. Now, being married to a New York City firefighter, you know, my first response was, oh my God, I gotta get there. And I gotta help everybody. You know, and people are gonna be so hurt and injured and I just wanna go help. So I'm making my way through this crowd. There's shoes, there's things, people's belongings, paper everywhere, flying all over. And people are just running and screaming towards me. So as I'm running towards the tower, I look up and I can see things are falling. So I'm, a, you know, I'm like two or three blocks away and I can see things are falling from the building. And my gut says to me, okay, hang on. If you keep on running, you know, there's a chance you could get hit by whatever that is that's falling. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's debris from the plane and could be glass from the windows breaking, et cetera. You know, I don't want to get hurt and I could get killed. So let me turn around and get to my kid's house, which is right there on Warren Street. So I do a U-turn and I start to run to my kid's house. And I'm thinking, you know, about my husband responding and all my friends, you know, firefighters, et cetera. So I get to my student's house. And when I get inside, the nanny is there with my student and she is in a major panic. And with that, now the second plane hits and she is just beside herself. And I, I start to say to her, where is Beth? That was mom. Where is she? You know, where is she? And she's like, she's out on the street going to get her daughter. So I go, okay, I'll be right back. So I run back out to go get and help the mom and make sure that the mom and the daughter are okay. And I meet them, you know, just right there in front of the building. And I'm like, okay, come on, get in, get in, get in. And, you know, the streets now are just insane. There's just so much going on. You know, the planes are both in there, the fire, everything. I come back upstairs and, you know, at that time we had beepers and flip phones, you know, and my beeper wouldn't work because not knowing the Verizon Tower had been knocked out. So my phone rings. And it's my husband. He knows exactly where I am. He knows I'm right there. 
and he's screaming at me, get out, get out, you have to get out. And I say, I, I can't, you know, it's like the end of the world down here. There's just stuff everywhere and things are happening. And I go, you know, the poor guy must have had a heart attack and hit the, hit the tower. And I think that maybe the other plane got caught up and, and hit too. And he's like, what are you talking about? This is terrorism. Turn on the TV. And as I turn on the TV, I see the Pentagon get hit. And my heart goes to my stomach. And I'm like, oh, my God. I think about where I am. City Hall is right there. And, you, you know, my thought was like, what's going to be next? Are they going to hit the City Hall? Are they going to hit the Empire State Building? Like, you know, what, what's happening? What's happening? So as I'm talking to him, he asks me to... Um, to explain to him what I can see. So, you know, to a firefighter, the color of the flame, et cetera, means things. It's all scientific. So I'm telling him that, you know, the color of the flame is very orange and it's, and it's white at some points. And he's asking me, you know, what floor do you think it's on? And so I kind of visually make it an idea of where I think it is. And I said, I don't know, maybe it's like up in the high 80s, 90s. I'm not sure it's at the top of the building. And with that, I hear the tone of the alarm in the firehouse um, go, and I know that he has to go. And, And he goes, I have to go, and just hangs up. And now I try to do therapy with my student. His bedroom window faces the towers, so I can see everything. I'm, I'm very close, and I can see the flames. I can see the planes, the smoke, things falling. I can see everything. And I'm trying to focus and, and do therapy with my student, but I'm extremely obviously distracted and worried because I know my husband is on his way there. And um, at one point, I just realized that, it, you know, this is ridiculous and I can't focus. I can't do this therapy with my students. So I, I stop at that point and I start to look at the building and I see the edges of the building start to bow out. And I see the beams bending outwards. And I start to scream, oh my God, the tower's gonna fall. And I can see, you know, them straining the opposite way. And I can hear, I'll never forget that sound. I can hear the, the steel like groaning almost, you know, because it was straining so much, I guess against all the the weight of the building and then suddenly it just pancakes in front of my eyes the whole thing just collapsed and it was the sound I'll never forget it was like that eerie growl of the steel and then all of a sudden it was just like like the biggest rush And then I just hit my knees and I started to cry and scream, oh my God, oh my God, all of my friends are gone, you know. And so I ran to the living room and this big ball of dark smoke uh, was coming towards the window of 
of the apartment that we were in. And so I said to everyone, get down, get down. Because, you know, in my head, I didn't know what was going to come through the window, you know, with the force of that uh, collapse, you know, who knows what steel or, or whatever. So I grabbed everybody. We all got down, covered our heads. And the room was so eerie. The room went dark, pitch dark for like what felt like forever. You know, and it was probably, I don't know, you know, a minute, whatever. And then slowly the light came back into the room and we were okay and nothing came through the windows, but I got up and I took my finger and I swiped it across her windowsill and my hand was covered in dust that had been forced through the window. And I said, okay guys, you know, we have to start to think about what we're gonna do. You know, we have to get out of here, this is not good. And then you could hear the recordings in her building through the PA system, I guess. They were saying, um, you know, evacuate, evacuate. Uh, you know, everyone needs to be out of this building by this time. And um, there'll be no water. There'll be no electricity. There'll be nothing. Everybody needs to get out. So the nanny at that point completely freaked out and she left. She had to get out. So we let her go <clears throat> and I stayed with the mom and the two kids. And, um, you know, we started to, to plan like what we were gonna do. And the mom was extremely stressed out and, and, and crying because her husband works in New Jersey and he had taken the PATH train, which you know was underneath the tower. So we didn't know if he, you know, was alive or if he was gone. And we had no phone call or anything like that. So there was just so much emotion and stress and, you know, fear of what was going to happen next and what was going on with our world. Like, how could this happen in New York City and to us, you know? And, and so finally, by one o'clock in the afternoon, I was, you know, the, my skin was crawling and I needed to get out of there. And I had two Rottweiler dogs, you know, that I knew were all the way up on 93rd Street and 1st Avenue. I didn't know where my husband was at that point. Um, and I just wanted to go home. You know, I just, I wanted to get out of there and, and go home and, and try to make sense or figure out what was going on. So I begged my friend, who now is my very dear friend, to come with me home to my house. And she wouldn't leave, you know, obviously because her husband still hadn't contacted her and, um, she refused. And so I just said, okay, you know, I have to go. I, I need to make sure everything's okay at home and, um, and we'll be in touch. And so I left the building and I'll never forget walking out the door and there was just dust on the cars, like so thick and so high, just piled on all the cars. And every step I walked, I would, kick up dust would just kick up around me and it was just silent eerie silent and i turned around and i looked and i saw that image that you see on the stamp that later became you know a stamp postal stamp of the tower just the piece of it stuck in the ground and all the debris 
and all the smoke at that point, you know, was just pouring up and clouds of smoke and, and dust everywhere. And I, I mean, I was sobbing. I just, you know, you cried uncontrollably because it was so surreal. You just, you could, your brain couldn't figure out and make sense of any of it. It just was like, what is going on? What happened? At the same time, you know, again, I knew that many of my firefighter friends were gone. Um, and so I, I turned around, looked at that image, and then I turned around and I started to make my way north and I got to the corner of her block and I went to turn left for some reason, which didn't make any sense because that would be going west. And I don't know, I guess I wasn't really thinking. And boom, this soldier was there. And he had a machine gun in his hand and all his gear. And he just started yelling at me, you know, go north, go north. And I was like, okay, okay, you know? And I turned around again and I saw the image again of the building, of the tower, the pieces and the crumble. And I just pushed myself forward going north and I literally cried the whole way. And, you know. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I just kept turning around because, again, you just couldn't believe it was real and, I, and that this I had experienced this whole thing. So I'm walking north, walking north, and as I'm walking, you know, the, the black planes that they used were flying over, and so I could hear that, and I would look up, and I could see them, and they were so low, you know, they were really so low, and it was just so unnatural in New York City for us to have all this military and, and these planes flying so low. It was so scary, you know, and as you walk, you would just so fearful because you didn't know if people were gonna pop out and you know shoot you or what. So I kept walking north and I hit like, I don't know, maybe 23rd Street or somewhere in the 20s. And, um, and I needed to use the bathroom so badly. And so I, I came upon this church, it was just there. And this priest was sitting outside and I said to him, um, Father, please, can I go in? And he was like, of course, and he had water. and. And going in the church, I thought, you know, it would be only be me. You know, I was like, okay, I'll go in. And, and I got in the church, and the church was packed, packed with people. Everybody was just sobbing and praying. And it was, you know, unbelievable. It was such a, a feeling of, of community and camaraderie and, you know, New York coming together and, you know, at the same time, the sadness, you know, that everybody there had probably lost people and, and all these people, we were all so scared and confused. And so I just prayed for a bit and then, you know, I left and I, I made it home. It took me, I don't know how long, over an hour, I'm sure, to get back to my neighborhood. And even up there um, uh, on 96th Street, there was a mosque and, um, it was completely at that point surrounded by police and no one, you know, you couldn't go near it or anything. It was 
hundreds of people all over the street, everywhere. And, and as I walked home, it was just like this flow, this, this river of people all going in the same direction and nobody talked. Everybody was just silent and everybody was just crying and, and just focused on going north. And it was just so sad. And so, you know, I got in my house and my phone was ringing off the hook, of course, because so many of my friends, all my people knew that my husband was a firefighter and, and wanted to know if he was okay, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't see my husband for three days. I had no contact with him, no communication whatsoever. I didn't know if he was alive. I didn't know if he was okay or anything. And I would walk my dog to the firehouse because it was up on 102nd Street. He worked a 43 truck, you know, and I would go there because that was my home, my second home, you know, those were my people, my family, those guys. And we were all so tight and close. We'd been together forever. And so I'd go there with my dog and, and hope that, you know, maybe he would be there. But when I got there, there would be nobody that I knew because all the companies had responded from Manhattan. They were all downtown and other companies from other boroughs were replacing the guys in the firehouse. And so I wouldn't know anyone. And I would just go and say, guys, do you know anybody from 43? Has anybody come back? Is anybody here? You know, have you heard anything? And no one had any information. Nobody knew. And so it was really hard. And then what, on the third day, I was home. And um, my good friend, girlfriend of mine called me. I was on the phone with her. And suddenly I heard the dorm knob jiggle. And I said to her, oh my God, I have to go. I think Kirk's home. And in through the door came my husband, you know, just covered and so sad and so broken, you know. He had been there for three days digging, looking for his buddies, his brothers. And he came in and you know, we just didn't even speak. We just cried and I got him to go into the tub, you know, and just soak. I gave him a few minutes and then I could hear him. I could hear him saying out loud, Freddie, Freddie, where are you? Please just give me a sign so I could find you. And that was his best friend. It was so sad. And so I went inside and I just sat on the side of the top. And he told me how he looked for Freddie for so long and he couldn't find him and you know how they uncovered some of their friends and he was heartbroken and we just sobbed together. We just, we just sat there and we just sobbed. And then for months and months and months, all the way, I remember even into April, into the next year, we would go every day to memorials, to funerals, all kinds of services. And, you know, actually, it wasn't even like a, a little cry, you know, where you would just be sad. It was your chest hurt and your stomach hurt because it was gut-wrenching to listen to the eulogies and all these things that people would say. And, you know, the fire department is family. It doesn't matter if you know the person or not, we show up, you know, we all show up to support. Husbands, wives, brothers, everybody. 
And we did, and, and for months on end, we would just show up. And I remember my stomach and my chest hurt for the longest time after. And even when I went back to work, you know, I, I would go to that student's house still because I was still working with him and I would walk the streets and we would go to the site and I would just look and watch and, and you just shake your head in, in disbelief. And I would see all the bags and things that they had hanging from the fences that were measuring the air quality. You know, none of us were covered. We didn't know anything and we believed what everybody was telling us that it was safe and we were all inhaling this air and you know all these years later 20 years later we've lost so many friends so many friends from 9-11 related illnesses and weird things and we just a couple of years ago lost our friend jimmy from 9-11 related brain cancer we visit him every day till he didn't even know who we were anymore. Until he was gone and it's just, it doesn't end. And to say that it's 20 years to me, it feels like it was yesterday. You know, it just doesn't leave you. The feeling doesn't leave you. The smells don't leave you. The sounds don't leave you. The pain, the crying, the sorrow, the loss. You know, and still to this day, you meet people that you don't even know that just, say, yeah, you know, my dad was there, my dad got killed. I work in a school now and just the other day on Friday, we went past a firehouse with the kids and, you know, I stopped and we looked inside and I was explaining to the kids and I said hi to one of the men and told him, you know, who my husband was. And one of the girls said to me, oh, do you know this girl in school? Her dad was a firefighter. And I said, oh no, I didn't know. And she was like, oh, he was killed in 9-11. And you know what? My heart still sunk. My eyes still filled up. And I still got so sad because it was just such a tragedy and, and unbelievable. And, you know, you think about, like, I remember when I turned around and saw that image, I would just try to comprehend that there was a building there at one point, you know, and... And there were desks and there were people and computers and phones and everything. And everything was just gone. It was just gone. And, you know, you couldn't understand that. Where did it go? You know, where is it all? And, and it was the dust. It was the dust that I was kicking up, that I was breathing, that I could see. It was pulverized. It was just unbelievable. How is the health of yourself and your FDNY husband? Well, my husband has um, COPD and asthma. He has heart situations. You know, he's, he's in the um, WTC medical uh, program. He goes all the time to be checked out. Um, I'm also part of the WTC medical. I suffer from severe, severe GERD. I've been hospitalized for it like three times. It's so painful when you have attacks, it feels like you're having a heart attack, you know, because the pressure and all the acid and everything builds up. Um, I have sleep apnea, I have sinusitis, and I have, you know, terrible, terrible memories, you know, that, that haunt me sometimes, you know, around 9-11. It's, it's really hard for me. Sometimes I, 
I wish they would just make it a Memorial Day, you know, so we all didn't have to go to work where we could just respect and be quiet and silent and think about it and remember all our people that we lost that day and what happened to our country, you know. I've been down to the Memorial on 9-11 myself. I made the choice one day to go in there by myself. It was not a good choice, trust me, because the recordings, I could hear my friends talking, you know, who are no longer with us. And I could see the pieces of the trucks and I could see all the walls covered with my friends' photos. And it's very, very hard, you know, it's really hard to go back and, and see all that and hear all that and experience it again. You know, and then the beautiful memorial that's outside, it's just, it's just an empty hole, you know, there are empty holes now. And you just can't believe. I think about that day, you know, where I, I was there with my student and how big, I remember feeling, I remember thinking and feeling, wow, you know, this unisphere is big, but these towers are really big. They're so massive and you could just feel their presence, you know? And so being there and experiencing all this, it just was crazy. And your student, Beth's child, how? I just spoke to him the other day. Oh my goodness, he's not a child. He's a grown man. He's 22, I think now. And uh, we're not allowed to call him Jackie anymore. His name is Jack. Um, and you know, he's, he's great. He's great. He's, uh, he's a student at Pace University. Of course he's, you know, online now, but, uh, he's doing really, really well. You know, he, he's a high functioning and he doesn't have memory of it. Her daughter does cause she was older, but Jack doesn't have any memories of it at all. Uh, maybe that's a good thing, you know, uh, but her daughter does and, you know, she's late in her 20s now. So uh, she was definitely affected by it for sure. But you know, the, you know if, you, if, you, if you could think of the good side of anything, Beth and her husband and myself and her nanny and her daughter and son, we are so close. You know, we, we experienced that together. And uh, every 9-11, we touch base. I mean, you know, they're my friends. They're my very, very dear friends. They're like family to me, but... On 9-11, we just come together, you know, whether it's on the phone or, you know, on Zoom or wherever it is. And we just tell each other how much we love each other and, you know, how glad we are that we're, we're all still here. And actually, Beth, she ended up getting thyroid cancer and was treated. And she's in the WTC program. Thanks God her kids are fine right now. And her husband, well, I never ended that story. He ended up taking the last train out. He was so lucky. He was on the last train out. He made it to Jersey. And later in that day, he contacted her and let her know. And, and she actually left at, I don't know, four o'clock in the afternoon, I think, and made her way up to Canal Street with a friend. But, you know, we all made it out, thank God. And, you know, and my husband came home, thank God for that. And, you know, the scary thing as a firefighter's wife now, today, when they go down for their World Trade Center medical, hold my breath. You know, I hold my breath because you just don't know, you know, all these years later is when everything's coming out and you just don't know what ha what's going to happen. And I wait for him to come home and just get, you know, a good report. 
or a better report, you know, because he does have things. And so they're not curable. It's not going to go away. And you just hope that nothing else piles on, you know. Thank you so much, Arlene. Is there anything else you want to add? Nope. That's my story. I'm so sorry for taking you back. And That's okay. You know, it's cathartic. It's, I don't want to forget it. I won't forget it because, like I said, many, many, many of our dear, dear friends, and they did end up finding Freddie very long time after. So it was interesting that the day that we were going to just memorialize him because we didn't have, you know, any part of him because people were literally burying parts of people, of course. Um, They found his body. And so we were so grateful and so happy that his memorial was able to turn into, you know, a, a full funeral and we were able to honor him and, and have our service and be able to say goodbye. And so, I wear his bracelet every day. It's right here. I've had it on for almost 20 years. You know, he's with me every day. I talk to him, Captain Freddie Hill. And uh, I take him with him wherever I go. And in tough times, I tell him to help me out, you know, and all the rest of my friends that are up there. Every line 11, I make a beautiful, I have a beautiful cross that um, Kirk, my husband, was able to get from one of the... uh, celebrations they had, they made this beautiful Maltese cross out of the steel from the 9-11 buildings, the towers. And I have it on my window. I face south in Manhattan and I just light candles every 9-11 and I talk to the guys, you know, all my friends are up there. I just say, hi guys, you know, we still remember you. We'll never forget. We love you forever. You know, we'll see you again one day. Thank you, Arlene. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another chapter of 9-11 Stories, a podcast presented by Barish and McGarry, lawyers for the 9-11 community and New York's classic rock, Q104.3. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.